0: John chapter one today we're starting a new series this is a two week series and uh, and then after these two weeks we'll have our vision Sunday vision Sunday is a big thing around here if you've never been to one of our vision Sundays at Keystone, we turned it up on vision Sunday it's a great day to be there it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we're going to have packed house it's going to be totally uh, inspiring because. When we talk about vision, it's not the vision for the church, like your church, or hey, I hope hey, okay, I'm gonna hear the vision for you guys. No, this, the church is us, and so it's our vision. That's what I really do believe that God is leading us to. So it's kinda like we're getting a preview on the adventure that is 2023, and we truly invite you to be a part of that and see how God may really start impacting you as you trust him for his vision for your life with your church. And so you'll definitely want to check that out. John chapter one, today we launch in this two-week series before vision. John chapter one, verse 40. Let's pick up. One of the two who heard John, that's John the Baptist, speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So John the Baptist was a guy who had a big platform. He had a big crowd. There were a lot of people who were following John the Baptist and they were super interested in what he was up to He was a disruptor. He was one of those that everybody is is tuning into their YouTube videos because he's saying things that everybody thinks but nobody would say. Or he's saying things that they hadn't thought of before. And John the Baptist had a big platform and then Jesus would walk by and John would always point to Jesus. So what John was doing was he was taking his platform and pointing to Jesus. Which if you have any kind of platform in this room, let me encourage you, that's the purpose of your platform. The purpose of your platform is to point people to Jesus. Even God said to the people of Israel, "I will bless you. I will make you a famous. I will make you famous so that you may be a blessing to the world." He'll build your platform so you may have a little blue check by your name. There's a purpose for that. It's to point people to Jesus. I love it every time. I'm not cynical. I love it when athletes, they point up to the sky, point to God. I love it. I love it because they're taking their platform and they're pointing to Jesus. So John the Baptist was out there preaching and Andrew, and Simon, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, was listening to John, hanging out with John, and he encountered Jesus, it says here. So hanging out with John, John pointed to Jesus, Andrew went over, connected with Jesus, walked away, and this is what he said. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew was the first person in the Bible who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah in his ministry. In Jesus' ministry, Andrew was the first person that said, Okay, that guy is the coming king. He's the one that we've been studying about our whole life in church. Verse 42 He brought him to Jesus. So Andrew found Jesus and then his instinct was to go get his brother, Simon, and bring him to Jesus. So he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And Peter is translated rock. So Jesus gave Peter a brand new name. And can I just raise my hand? If Jesus is handing out nicknames, could you please call me The Rock? I want everybody to smell what the rock is cooking. Matthew 4 is another example of what happens next. So you have Andrew going, Andrew finds Jesus, then he goes, finds his brother, and brings him to Jesus, and then his brother has an encounter with Jesus. So a little bit later, Matthew 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Andrew and Peter, they had an encounter with Jesus, then they went back to their job. That's normal. They went back to their job, and maybe even while they were fishing, they were telling their dad about all that they had seen and heard. They were talking about this new cool nickname that Simon is getting. I don't know, but clearly there was something resting inside of them that they had experienced Jesus so fresh, so powerfully as they went back to work, Jesus saw them. And verse 19, Jesus said to those two brothers, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and Jesus, he called them. And immediately they left the boat, and their father, and followed him. And this is the word of God for us today. As I was preparing for this message, something came across my mind that I had thought about, learned about, maybe a decade ago. And I shared it with Keystone at the time. And it was just so fresh. I just had this picture in my mind of something that I'd learned a long time ago about a naval base in South Carolina. There's a naval base in South Carolina that flies F-16s and they roar, and they just, they just hum and roar, and they just often right on top of the cars driving by. And so there's a lot of traffic, F-16s, and it, I guess they're situated by a road, and so the cars will be driving by, and then the F-16s. And I don't know if they got complaints. Man, that F-16, that Top Gun, they just buzzed, you know, I don't know, but I do know this, they put up a sign. The military base put up a sign on that road, and it reads this the noise you hear is the sound of freedom. Come on, come on, come on. The noise you hear is the sound of freedom. I don't know if it turned into a trend where other bases started doing this. I saw another sign that says, pardon the noise, this is the sound of freedom. I just love that. Can I tell you, when Jesus came, He didn't come and slip through the back door quietly he didn't come to just kind of quietly walk beside us when jesus came he made some noise he made some noise for these two fishermen he made some noise for these other two fishermen that whenever they came encounter with jesus jesus the great disruptor jesus made a lot of noise in their personal life So much so, it changed them forever. Jesus made a lot of noise as you find and read the New Testament. He made noise in the culture of that time all throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all of those areas, he was making some noise and I'm so glad to say today, he's still making noise eternally for you and for me. He is making noise because he wants to launch something new in your new year. He wants to launch. He wants to rumble. Things need to shift. He's making noise, and today I want to talk about making noise, and yes, we're, we love making noise at Keystone. I love already what I'm getting from some of you whenever I preach and you talk back. If, you, if you're if you holding back, and you came from a church tradition where you would talk back, please don't hold back. Join me. Come on. I love it. Let's just let's, let's, let's make some noise, but that's not the noise I'm talking about. I love how we sing loud. I love the passion, and I wish you could see it from my perspective, just everybody singing like this and it gets loud and i love that noise but that's not the noise i'm talking about the noise i'm talking about is the rumble of a launch that's happening in your soul and it's the rumble of the launch that if enough of us feel that rumble, that it's gonna start rumbling in this room cosmically, eternally from something deep inside of you. And if it rumbles loud enough in this room, it's gonna rumble and erupt and a launch into our schools and into our communities and into the city. And dare we say, maybe even to the whole world, God wants to get loud and the sound of freedom. It's the sound of freedom when we get loud, church. It's the sound of freedom. We're gonna get loud. We're gonna get loud. When Jesus came, it was noisy, all that noise. It was the sound of freedom, and it began for these two fishermen. I'm gonna single out Andrew and Peter. For these two fishermen, it began with these two words, follow me. That's when life began to get loud. Follow me. What a disruptive statement for those two. Because what were they doing? They were fishing. That's their job. That's how they made money. And it's all they knew. It's all they knew. And in that time and day, entrepreneurs were not was that, that wasn't a big deal. Entrepreneurship was not something that was culturally ingrained like it is in our culture, where in our culture, in America, we think, hey, if you dream it, go do it, let's go. Put in the hard work, go for it. That wasn't the culture back then. When you grew up a fisherman, you were a fisherman. When you grew up a carpenter's son, you were a carpenter. When you grew up in a trade or you were put into a trade, that's what you did and you didn't even think about moving out of that. That wasn't a thought, that wasn't a concept. And so when Jesus said, follow me, the most stunning thing that happened next was for those ingrained fishermen, that that was the only life they ever knew They laid down their nets. They got out of that boat. And understand, when they laid down their nets and they got out of that boat, they were leaving everything they knew and they were trusting the one that they had met. They were leaving everything they knew and they were trusting the one who they had met when God says to you, follow me. It's gonna, it's gonna require sacrifice. It's gonna require us laying down something that we value for someone that we value more. It's gonna feel insecure, perhaps. There's gonna be some moments where when Jesus says, follow me, and he's clearly giving you a follow me order, it's gonna feel a little insecure and it's gonna, it's gonna test you. At that point, you have to make a decision. Am I gonna follow Jesus or am I gonna run back to what I know? Am I gonna go run back to where the muscle memory is? See, I don't even have, I fish so long, I don't even have to think about it. I've mended the nets so long, I've tied those knots so long that I don't even, have you ever fished with a guy, they just tie the knots, they don't even think about it. It's muscle memory. Am I gonna go, go back to the thoughtless life where I trust on my instincts and my muscle memory or am I willing to try new things where I feel awkward and it doesn't feel like it's fluid, doesn't feel like it's natural, but I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God for my money. I'm trusting God for my relationships. I'm trusting God for my friendships. I'm trusting God for every square inch of my life when he says to me, follow me, follow me. I think for far too many of us, we hear the words, follow me, and we say quite flippantly, of course, I follow Jesus. Or we'll say it a different way, yes, God is my number one priority, then my family's my second priority, and we always have that memorized. But I wonder if God did an audit of our soul, I wonder if it'd be true. You say you follow me, you say you follow me, but do you get out of the boat when I say follow me? When I say follow me, do you lay down your nets or do you stay in the boat? When I say to my kids, clean your room, how many times do I have to go back? I say, come on, man, you didn't clean your room. I wonder how many of us are like a stubborn teenager just not doing it, right? When God says, follow me, put down those nets, let go of that boat. Some of us, you got it right now. You have an icy grip on the edges of your boat. White knuckled, icy grip on the edges of your boat. And you look at Jesus on the shore and you say, I wanna follow him. I, I, I wanna do it. I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't know, man. I'm, I don't know about my money. I don't know about if I'll ever find someone else to love. Like we have this thing, but I know it's not of God. Following Jesus requires sacrifice, and we, we don't love sacrifice. As a matter of fact, we don't even want sacrifice to be preached. We don't like hearing sermons on giving, for example. We don't love hearing sermons on sex, for example. Sex, God's way, is sacrifice in our culture. And by the way, can I just, I've said this before, but can I just say the most awkward the one who feels the most awkward on a sex talk, a Keystone, you're looking at him. You're looking at me. I mean, even in this, in this auditorium right now, I've got my in-laws in this room, I have my parents in this room, and I have my daughter and son-in-law fresh back from, fresh back from their honeymoon Tyler's walking with a brand new step. <laughs> he can't wipe the silly grin off his face. <clears throat> Let's go. <laughs> he said to me, they, they said last night we had dinner, all the both sides of the family came together. They, we had dinner, they just got back, and, and uh, they said, So, have you, have you talked about? You know, the wedding or anything? Does the church know we got married? I'm like, they know, baby. They know. I'll be talking about it for a year because something's happened big. Anyway, but yeah, we'll talk about intimacy as between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. And that requires sacrifice for some of us. We're gonna lay down our desires. You're gonna lay them down to follow Jesus You say, but I desire this. This is the way I feel like I'm made. Anybody with me? And I want you to know, can I tell you Keystone's voice on this? If you're willing to lay down a desire that you authentically feel to follow Jesus, I believe God's gonna bless you. And we're for you. And we'll walk with you. We love you. You're gonna lay down relationships. There are some relationships where people wanna go where you can't go sexually because you're a Christian and you begin to date somebody and you realize, oh, they want something that I don't, I mean, I may want it, but I, I'm not going there because I'm following Jesus. And so I'm, 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 at this point, I'm gonna have to say goodbye because you're not on my page. Any parent glad I'm preaching right now? You're gonna have to say goodbye. And you're gonna have to say goodbye to this person and they're great but they're not following Jesus like you are, and Jesus is saying, follow me, and they wanna stay in the boat and hold on to their net of desire, and you're getting out of the boat, and you're following Jesus in faithfulness. I'm just saying it requires sacrifice. What about giving? Giving is laying down your nets, and I'm trusting God money. I'm trusting God for my money. Uh, Giving is saying, I I full on am gonna give my first 10% to God, and I'm, I'm believing he's gonna bless the 90%. And you may, now we may get in some little fine tuned argument on, well, the tithe went away with the New Testament and da 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 da. And we can have that debate. But I have the mic, so I'll just go ahead and address that. Uh, Matthew 23 23, the Bible says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin. And yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So a lot of people will stop there and they'll say, see, see, Jesus is saying that these people who are tithing on even the tiniest little spices, like they're giving the first 10% of a little teaspoon of spice, you know, he's basically saying, you know, you guys are ridiculous. You've forgotten justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And they forget to read the second part of that scripture, which Jesus himself from his lips says, these things should have been done without neglecting the others. So what Jesus is saying is it's good that you tithe, but you have a wrong perspective of tithing. You think tithing is paying for a life for you to sin. I give my money and I can go do whatever I want. Whereas it's exactly the opposite. When I give my money, I'm giving my heart to God. And if I give my heart to God, I will have justice, faithfulness, and mercy. So sac- tithing, giving financially, is letting go of your nets and getting out of the boat. And I'm following God with my finances. And that can be hard for some of us. You've never done that; it's new to you. But we invite you in. Here's what I warn you against. I'd warn you against a trend that I see. Used to people would go around the Bible to get what they want. Now there's a crew that's actually going through the Bible to justify a lifestyle of staying in the boat. They're literally taking scriptures and twisting them and bending the Bible to justify a life outside of God's design sexually, to justify it. So you listen to this podcaster. You turn to a podcaster for your theology. The podcaster has no training. Podcaster that's just reading the Bible to affirm what they already want. Let me help you out. The podcaster is not the final word. God is the final word. God will lead you to your best life. Get out of the boat. Let go of your nets. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Question, are you following Jesus? Or are you asking Jesus to follow you? I mean, just do a self-check. Are you following Jesus? Which should lead to a pit in your stomach. Which should lead to an elevated heart rate at times. Following Jesus should lead to late night prayers because God, how am I gonna do what you put in front of me to do? That's what following Jesus feels like. But if you're totally comfortable and totally chill and totally at ease and you're never confronted, I don't know, man. I don't know if you're following Jesus. Check yourself because these guys, they left their nets. They left it all behind. You gotta really work hard to avoid the comfort zone. The comfort zone is a natural default for every single one of our souls, the comfort zone of the boat, the comfort zone of the nets. But know this, we've got a world out there that is in desperate need of Jesus. We have communities and schools that are desperately in need of Jesus, desperately in need of Jesus. We have marriages, they have no idea how to do it God's way, no idea. We have parents, they're just parenting out of the instincts they got from their parents. And a cycle of perpetual brokenness is being handed down from one generation to the next. We have a culture that is degenerating if we allow it. And God has called us to be salt, and God has called us to be light. God has called us to be a city on a hill. So the question is will we retreat to the comfort of even this room? Even this room. You know, if your kid, If your child was afraid to leave their room, I mean, and I'm being honest here, there's something that's happening with your child, they don't wanna leave their room. They're they're gripped with fear, they're gripped with anxiety. It could be an emotional thing, it could be uh, just, uh, I don't know. But if your child all of a sudden doesn't wanna leave the room, it could be a friendship thing, doesn't wanna leave the room, will not leave the room, gripped with fear, anxiety attacks, what do you do? Do you develop a plan to help your child, which might include biblical counseling, might include steps outside of the room, might include some aggressive strategies to break this bondage that they have in their heart? Or are you gonna build them a bigger, softer bed? Are you gonna build your child just a softer bed? You wanna be in there? Well, let me make it comfortable for you. And I'm convinced that that what some people want, they want a softer church. They want an easier church, softer church, and we're just saying sorry. We believe in rest, right? I hope you've rested over the holidays a little. We believe in rest. I'd love an amen for rest, yeah. But the problem is we will set up residence in our rest. Rest is something you visit, it's not where you camp. Rest is to regenerate so that you can get on doing what God has called you to do at your workplace, in your family, with your neighbors. Rest is to rejuvenate and restore. Rest is not where you live this side of eternity. Rest is not where you live. That's why we have a value here. We believe in hard work, excellence, and creativity. We talk about that because rest is not where you reside. Rest is where you visit. If you never rest, you're gonna be dysfunctional but rest is not where you reside. Listen, you've got to get out of that comfort zone. You gotta take a risk because here's what I know. Get out of your comfort zone or stay weak forever. Stay weak forever. And comfort zone may be a schedule that you like. You've got this schedule and it's predictable. Get out of your comfort zone or stay weak forever. Comfort zone may be the way that you spend your money, even including the tithe. A way you spend your money and it's gotten comfortable and God calls you to do something extra generous and it jams you, stay weak forever or get out of your comfort zone. We are not made to live comfortable lives. We are, have you ever seen a, a team that had a star, a star like a Luca Doncic star? Come on, come on, come on. Look, they may not be your team, but you gotta recognize, he's something else. Thank you, Mavs fan, right there in the middle, Neil. Thank you. And here's what I know. If you've got a football star, you've got a basketball star, it's on the coach to put them in the position to score. Like you have a bad coach who doesn't understand how to position a Michael Jordan, okay? You, you, you gotta know what to do with a you gotta know what to do with a with with a deck. You gotta know how to position them. You gotta know what to do with a, with a Tony Pollard. You gotta know what to do. And can I tell you how you've been made? You are made to win, and you are made to win others. And if you are not in the game of winning others, are you ready for this? you will never feel comfortable in the offense. If you're not on mission, if you're not doing what Andrew did with Peter, you will never feel comfortable in the mission. He said, follow me, but he didn't leave it there, did he? He said, follow me. Amos 6-1 says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Woe to those who take rest and make it their residence. He said, follow me, let go of your nets. He said, the sound of freedom, the sound of the rumble, the, 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 the smoke of the launch in your life is following me, letting go of your nets, getting out of the boat, but he didn't stop there. What else did he say? Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. So he said, follow me. And he didn't say, here's how to follow me, be fishers of men. Notice what he says there. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want to do something. I saw this on Instagram. I want to try it with you, okay? Get out your phone. I don't have mine. Get out your phone. And I want you to turn on on the flashlight. I love it. One dude's holding his coffee with his teeth, and he's getting out his phone. If he's doing that, you can do it. Get out your phone, hold up that flashlight. Hold it up, I wanna see them all. We're gonna give some of us that are technologically challenged a little time. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, pull it up. Okay, keep your lights up, and then the guys in the back bring the house lights down. Keep your lights up. Look around, whoa. Dude, it's like candlelight service all over again. Okay, now with the lights in the house down, I wanna ask you to do something. This may challenge some of you. I want you right now to turn it it to your camera so you could take a selfie. Turn it to a camera. Turn it to the camera, slowly. Okay, here we go. Some of us, turn it to the camera so you could take a selfie. Again, some of us are like, I don't know how to do it, Brandon! (laughs) Okay. Just look around now. The phone is designed that when you turn, off, when you turn on the selfie, it turns, on, turns off the light. I'm gonna say that again. The phone is designed that when you turn on the selfie, it turns off the light. Let's bring the lights up. Here's what I know. You're made to live in the light. The light is beautiful. It filled the room. It was like a moment. Maybe you won't forget it anytime soon. And maybe you've had that moment. You're at student camp and you had a moment and God touched your life and you're all singing and it was real and you got baptized, but you got back to school and there's these pressures and you find yourself inching closer and closer to the boat. Or maybe you found Christ a Keystone and it was awesome and God saved your marriage and you remember what he did. But what, I'm gonna ask you a question, what has he done lately? What have you been trusting him for lately? And the, the more we turn on to ourselves, the more our light goes away. And listen, when you turn your light on yourself, when you begin to focus on yourself, my preferences, my needs, know this, your light goes out and your world gets very dark. We're not made to be so self-consumed. There must be something. Churches get very grumpy and judgy and annoying whenever we get selfish, whenever we get selfie. When we turn it on ourselves, our preferences, our, our theological minute arguments, when we turn it on ourselves, our light goes away. Have you ever walked into a church I have. Have you ever walked into a church and it's like the bar scene in one of those Westerns? Aye, aye, aye. Wah, wah, wah. Because you walk in and everybody in the bar slash church, I'm having fun today, they turn like, who's the new guy? You walk in and you're like checking yourself. Did I dress well? Did I move okay? Am I. I don't know the songs. I don't know the stories. I don't know who Jonah is. I don't know anything about a fish. (laughs) Who's this Paul? You know Paul. You know the story. I don't know the story. Aye, aye, aye. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Look, we're gonna take you deep into the word of God, but it will always be on a shelf where everybody can get it. It will always be on a shelf where everybody can get it. We go books, we do Bible, I mean, deep into the word of God, but it'll always be on a shelf where anybody could get it. Churches, when they get so self-consumed in their groups, well, I've got my group and we connect and we pray together and and we've even gone through some things together and we've had a crisis together. But here's the thing, you're you're not designed in a group to have your back outside and then your inside. You're designed in a group to have 1 foot in, definitely creating authentic community, but you're you're designed, you're made, this is the offense you were created for to have 1 foot out reaching out into the world. Don't turn on that selfie when your light should be shining. Luke 19:10, Jesus said of himself, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Second Corinthians 5, 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God is making his appeal through us. Through us, Romans ten thirteen. for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Today I'm sending you. That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good News. I'm talking about good news shoes in this place. You lace up those shoes and you get moving into your neighbors, and into your schools. You get moving at the workplace, and you say, "I'm lacing up my good news shoes and I'm bringing the good news of Jesus to everyone." God, whoever you put in my place, whatever you want me to say, I'm willing to lay down approval of others. I'm willing to lay down and 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 have a label on me. I'm willing to be home on a Friday night to follow Jesus. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm putting on my good news shoes and don't allow theology and certainly don't read this Bible and let the Bible tell you, well, God's gonna call who God wants to call, so I'm good. God's gonna save who God wants to save, I'm good. And by the way, the church has these billboards, I'm good. The church has, I got a mailer, that means the church is sending out mailers, I'm good. And every time I'm on Instagram or Facebook, uh, uh, some kind of thing from the church comes on. And so you've got a very sophisticated social media strategy to reach people. I'm good, and boy, 50,000 cars a day drive by this church. I'm good. Do not, church, outsource your mission to mailers, to social media, or to brick and stone. Mailers, social media, even drive by of this campus, is to help you. It's not us doing the mission for you. It's to support you. It's to support you. It's one of those things where when you invite somebody to church, you say, hey, hey have, you ever, have you ever gone to church? Is that something that you're interested in? Oh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I go to Keystone and I'd love you to go. Keystone, Keystone Church, yeah, Keystone. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I shop at that academy and I see that billboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got this big, huge mailer. I've been wondering about that church. You go to that church? Yes, I do. Here it says, you are sent. You are, there's, this is as much a command as God's design for sex. You being on mission and loving the lost and inviting people to church and telling people about Jesus is as much of a command, as tithing. I believe some of us, we say, well, we're gonna leave the evangelist for that. We're gonna let those that are extraordinarily gifted to do that. I'm gonna do this other thing. I'll, I'll you know, no, God has made you to invest in others. If you're not doing that, you'll always be uncomfortable in the offense. I don't know the play I'm running. And what'll happen in you is you will, you'll feel it. You'll feel it and you'll know something's dislocated. It's kind of that way with aging. You know, I get out of bed. I'm like, something happened. (laughs) What's that? I didn't used to have that after a good night's rest. I could sleep on the floor, I'd be fine. But it feels a little off. And it can bug you for the rest of the day. If you are not on mission, you are off. You're, You're not aligned. You're out of alignment and you're gonna walk with bad posture, you're gonna walk without confidence, you're gonna walk with a limp. Please embrace God's mission for your life. Remember what has happened in verse 41 of John one, at first he found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. His instinct was to go get his brother and bring him to Jesus. So how do we do that? Let me give you a few ways. First start praying, pray right now. Start praying for people start praying to see people. God, would you open my eyes to the people around that need an invite? Would you open my eyes to the people that need to hear my story? Would you open my eyes to how I could help somebody? Would you open my eyes? I've told the story before about when I was at at Kroger and I was really hurried. I was hurried, Susan was waiting on me. I'd taken too long. I'm not saying that that was a conflict, but. (laughs) So I was needing to hurry and I saw this old woman that was loading. I mean, she was really old, like, and she was loading up her cars with groceries, and I, I drove right on by her. And I even had the thought, and I was like, nah, I gotta get home." I was dead inside. It was like, I, I, "I'm sorry, I gotta get home." And right as I was at the light, God got a hold of me. And he was like, "You need to go back." So I went back, and I went to her, and and I was like trying to help. And I, I "Hey, do you need any help?" She's like, "Why? Thank you, young man." And I started loading up, and she had more liquor than any person I'd ever seen. <laughs> I'm just loading liquor. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but I told her, I, just, I, I said, God told me to come and help you. God wants to bless you today. God loves you. You know, talk to her a little bit. It's just that little voice. When you begin to pray, it's amazing how you get in the game. Be careful when you begin to pray. God, would you help me to see people that I can talk to about Jesus, that I can invite to church? Or God, would you help me to see people that I can help? <clears throat> Be careful. Strange things are about to happen. Because it's almost as if God is waiting for people to pray like that. And when you do, he's like, all right, let's go. It's about to get fun. They want an adventure. I'm giving them adventure. Grandma's with liquors. Liquors. I, I made it plural. <laughs> pray for others. Begin to see others. When you pray for people, you'll begin to see them. And one of the prayers you could pray is, God, would you help me see people the way you see them? And if you begin to pray, God, help me see people the way you see them, you'll begin to feel the way God feels, or a fraction of the way God feels for them. And it'll change your life. You'll begin to see people. Have you seen these like, drive-through coffee places? Like They're everywhere now. I love them but you go through the drive-thru. I rarely go in anymore. I'll go through the drive-thru, and the thing though is they've got this new thing they've been trained to do, because they all do it, and they've been trained to do it, is to talk to you. Okay, like, like okay, so where are you going? How's your day? What have you been doing? Are you off work? You know, which the off work thing always makes you feel bad. You're like, no, I'm not off work. You know, I mean, I'm just getting coffee. And so I have kind of developed a, I'm on the phone. So I'll, I'll, I'll have a call to Susan or something, and I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm not lying, but I mean, I'll, I'll get on the phone. I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm on the phone. Mm. I'm not lying. I may be calling and saying, hey, Susan, I'm getting coffee. I'll be home shortly. I'm on the phone. Anyway, so when you begin to pray, here's the thing, God's going to wreck that little selfish thing I was doing, and God will say, roll down the window, lean in, and when they say, did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. What'd you do? (laughs) I went to church. I went to Keystone Church. Have you heard of Keystone Church? Keystone Church. Yeah, Keystone Church. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Yes, that white with, yeah, sure. Are you with me? You begin to pray, you'll begin to see, you will. And then invite people to Keystone. One of the next great invites you have is our series launch of, of our series After Vision Sunday. After Vision Sunday, we are launching a brand new series of messages called Good Gift, Bad God. Good Gift, Bad God. That's not saying God is bad, it's saying these good gifts that he gives us, we elevate them to where they make God-like status and they're bad gods. We're gonna talk about how alcohol is a good gift, bad God, wealth is a good gift, bad God. Uh, money is a good, wealth, a good gift, bad God. We're gonna talk about entertainment and sports. We have something special for Super Bowl Sunday, good gift, bad God. And so this whole series is gonna help us a whole lot, a whole lot, and it's based out of Romans chapter one where you take the good gift, you elevate it to a bad God. So that'd be a great time to invite. And so when you, when you invite, we've got an invitation station out here. We've got stuff for your lawn. If you love putting out things into your lawn, signs into your lawn, we've got cards. You could give that barista and say, Keystone, right here. And if you find yourself and you're like, oh, I don't know where it is, just tell them Keystone. And they'll say, Keystone. And you say, you know, and this is what I do, you know, like the beer. <laughs> they, they hardly ever forget that one. <laughs> Come to my church you know it's like the beer. And then I always say this, now listen, we didn't name the church after the beer. We would not name the church after a college cheap beer. Okay? We would have named it after a better beer. But anyway, (laughs) but we didn't, we didn't. And once you do something like that, they remember Keystone, you know? So just things like that, just begin to invite people and bring them. Bring them. So what that means is like, hey, meet me. Meet me, meet me there. I'll be there this weekend. I'll, there's this big fireplace, I'll hang out at the fireplace and if, if you come, find me and we'll walk in together. That's a bringer. Um, and then get creative. Getting creative means that you're thinking of ways to like unlock your invite. You're thinking of ways to unlock your invite. And that could be, we, some things we've done, We've taken like cookies. Susan has made some awesome cookies. We've taken them to a neighbor. And we said, hey, I don't know if you have a church home, but I've left a little card in there. It's Keystone. And if you ever wanna go, I'd love to be with you. Or if I just see you, find me, just walk right up. Even if I'm talking with somebody else, come up to me. I'll be so happy to see you there. That's creative. Um, I have, I'm, I'm saying, I've been at the gym on the elliptical. And I look over and there's a Keystone card right there in the elliptical. Somebody's gonna get that card and say, God is speaking to me. That's creative. I'm not telling you to do that. But I've seen them in the Sonic things too. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to do that. But get creative. That may be that you dream and say, God, how can I meet people for breakfast and then we all come together? I don't know. Get creative. And You may say, man, I feel so ill-equipped for this. I feel like this isn't me. This isn't the way I roll. This isn't who I am. Then I, I've, I've got something for you. If you're like, man, I I wanna know more how to do that. I just don't know if I know how to do that. I wanna be able to share my story, Brandon. I wanna share my story with people, but I feel ill-equipped to share that story, my testimony. I've got something for you. But I also have something for somebody who would say, Brandon, no, 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 I'm pumped up right now. Like, I love this. Like, I've just been waiting for somebody to unleash me. Because I don't care to talk about, I can talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere, I'm in sales, it just oozes out of my ears. I just, I just love inviting people. This is in me, I want a goal. Tell me how many people I need to reach out to. Let me tell somebody that I did it. Give me a competition, give me a reward. I don't know, I'm just pumped up right now. So whether you feel ill-equipped or whether you are pumped up out of your mind right now, I have something for you, as the music wonderfully came in. I have something for you. I wanna have dinner with anybody that would love to learn more about how to unlock your invite, how to tell people about Jesus. Next Sunday night, I'm having dinner for whoever shows up, whoever RSVPs, and we're gonna have dinner and we're gonna talk about it. I've been looking forward to this idea for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I am so excited for the people in this room and in the nine o'clock, we're gonna crowd out the Life Lab. And if we need to outgrow the Life Lab, we'll find another place to meet, but listen, I would love to spend some time with you and help you understand the value of it and how to do it. And we might even develop some, some measurables for you. And listen, the way that we're, we're, we're doing this dinner, it's for any personality type. You may have a different personality type. We wanna teach you within your personality type how you can be on mission. So we're not leaving you out there with a rah, rah, leave, go, no, we wanna help you. I wanna have dinner with you next Sunday night. So here you say, okay, let's have dinner. How do I do that? Um, In front of you, there's a QR code, and on the front row, there's a QR code on your seat. Go to the QR code like right now. Anybody that I see doing that, I'm like, yeah, let's have dinner. you know. So go ahead and do that right now. You're familiar with your phones, go ahead and do that. And we would love, 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 love to have dinner with you next Sunday night. So you go to the QR code, it'll take you to a place where you can RSVP and you can learn more about it. But I'm super excited to do that, all right? All right, I see a lot of y'all not doing it. I'm not having dinner with you. Come on, have dinner with me, have dinner with me. We'll talk about winning people to Jesus. I'm convinced that this dinner, something's gonna happen in this dinner. Something's going to be unlocked that's going to, to lead to stories being changed and you'll know you were a part of it. You're gonna see somebody get baptized and you're gonna trace it back to the moment where you got out of the boat. I would just ask the question, today, at Keystone, if we were all in the boat right now, you're in the boat, and Jesus, through the word of God, is saying, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Are you gonna call back, I'd love to follow you, I just don't wanna fish for men. Is that okay? And I think Jesus would call back, follow me, I will make you, it's not on you, I'll do it. I'll do the work. Follow me. I will make you fishers of people, men, women, students, children. I will help you change the world. Through you, you're gonna make a difference. You're gonna look back on your time on this earth and say, I didn't waste my time in rest. I didn't waste my time in a boat I was ill-designed to stay in. I let down the nets that were really bonds, and I left those nets and I followed Jesus. And I was in a church that one day said, have dinner with me, I went to that dinner. I was in a church that one day said, hey, take a sign and put it in your yard, and I had no idea, but somebody in heaven just came up to me, and they said, I saw your sign, you never knew this, but I went to your church, and I got saved. So I'm just saying, I'm calling this church to a new day. Where are my bringers? Where are my bringers? Are we ready to leave this room and go make a difference? Don't complain about the world. Let's go change the world. Let's change the world together and see what God could do. Because this is what I know. When a guest walks in here and they trust Christ for the first time and they come out of that water, that's the sound of freedom. When somebody decides, I've been doing it my way, I'm ready to do it God's way, that's the sound of freedom. Listen, church. Harden the noise, but are we ready to make some noise and create the sound of freedom? Let's do it together, church, come on. In your high school, at your work, in your neighborhood, the sound of freedom. Father, I thank you for what you're doing today. God, I believe something is being unlocked in this room, and it is powerful, and it's unique, and it's different. Oh, we love singing and raising our hands. Oh, we love opening the word of God and learning more about you. Oh, God, we love it. And God, as we read it, it is clear. We're made for mission. God, I pray that mission would impact our friends, impact me. Pray this mission would change our communities that we live in. I pray, God, this mission dare we pray it, would change the world. We love you. We believe it. In Jesus' name.